Hello, dear listener. Welcome to another episode, episode 41 of Re-Educating Dad, the cross-generational talk show co-hosted by me, Big Tone, along with my robustly opinionated daughter, Little Tone. So that's the mid-60s meeting the mid-30s generation. I'm not quite mid thirties. Thank you very much. I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. Like how you're like you're a few months off, right? And Two years off, mate. What? My maths must be off. And we are joined again today by my highly diplomatic grandson Ben, who represents the third generation on our show today. That is the school leaver stroke starting uni age group. So, how's life treating you, Ben? Um. Not much different to um, to last time, last podcast. Met, met, like I feel like not a lot is happening at the moment, other than my um, inevitable schoolwork. But um, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing, I'm doing overall mediocre. I would say not good, not bad. Well, I feel good <laughs> as, as long as we can all stay out of hospital. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, to start. That... Um, but it is, I it is a bit depressing i am sort of suffering a little bit from lockdown blues you know not being able to socialize with anybody it's um we just actually met another couple that have moved into the our little rural village of elmley castle here from london uh who are almost next door to us so um uh i was I was chatting to them um and it's just sad when you see you know people that you really would like to get together with and you just can't you know you can't get together with them anyway we're not here to talk about our lockdown blues, are we? <laughs> what's new with you, Tony? Little Tone? Hmm, what's new with me? What's been happening in this big, exciting <laughs> time in my life? Um, well, not much, really. Um, no, it's a nothing. very hard question yeah, to literally. ask. Answer yeah, I know. It's, 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 you know, it's like a sort been of... doing some house DIY, a... I guess. Life is a vacuum at the moment, isn't it? It's the, it's the hardest question we've tackled on the podcast, I think. <laughs> so let's move on to one that is maybe not so hard. And I'm going to be very fascinated to hear what you, you're both, to get both your uh, perspectives on our subject matter for this episode, uh, which is the question, will COVID help us save the planet? This is, this, this, the topic today was my suggestion because I saw a debate on the BBC on Sunday that debated this exact question and I was uh, I was pretty um, interested in it Uh, in essence there were two sides of two schools of opinion I think I should say on the question and, and one of them was seemed to be only represented by one gentleman who was sat centre stage. They were all so, socially distanced, socially distanced debate, obviously, and he was kind of right in the centre. Um, and he was, whereas the others others were saying, you know, perhaps this is perhaps the COVID situation and the lockdown situation has been. Uh, an occasion for us to pause. You may remember when we went into lockdown in March, uh, how the skies cleared up. Um, You heard the birds singing, uh, no planes flying, hardly any traffic on the road. And and actually wildlife began to 
return uh, to being more in evidence because I think the wildlife felt more confident because there were so few people about. Um, and what you know wasn't that perhaps a, a good thing? Um, and this gentleman was saying, "Well, no, actually, it was a rotten thing. I, you know, couldn't, you know, I couldn't travel, and you know, I couldn't fly, and and so on and so forth." But he he seemed to be very much in the minority. And I was wondering what how you both felt about this. Let's start with you, Lil Tone. Um. I think it's a real mixture, isn't it? Because I think for a lot of people, the cogs have kind of turned and uh, people that think quite empathetically um, have really started to consider their own um, part to play in this whole problem with climate change. Um, but I think there are always going to be, there's probably always going to be a larger group of people that, that don't care at all. Um, but I think more importantly than the individual, there has to be some sort of legal consequence for big commercial companies. Was that the question you just asked, or did I just go off on a tangent? Well, the question, the question that we're, we're talking about is, will COVID help us save the planet? Um, yeah, so I think, I think um, no, it won't. I think that COVID's got nothing to do with whether people respect the planet or not. Um, I think that, for, like I said, I think for people that, that think em empathetically, it may have given them a chance to, it may have given them the space to think more about their consumerism and, you know, the, like I said, the part, their, the part they play individually in impacting climate change. Um, but generally, I think, consumerism has gone up in lockdown for people who've not had their salary um, affected because people are bored and they've got nothing to do and they've got more money than they would have done. So they're buying more impulsively. That's mm -hmm. my experience. Um, so I think from a sort of um, selfish point of view, consumerism has got worse. Um, and we know that it was only a few weeks what that, that you know, all these big factories in China stopped manufacturing things, and that's when we saw the um, the wildlife come back and it got a bit better. But the moment that manufacturing started again in China, and we started seeing those big lorries and big boats coming over with crap, that's when um, it took a decline again. So, no, I don't think that it will help. Okay, what do you think, Ben? Uh, I'm inclined to agree. While I, while I think it's a good thing at the moment, I think it's uh, I think COVID is having short-term benefits on the environment. Uh, you described some of them, like the birds and coming back. And um, well, I was describing. To be fair, uh, I was describing back in March. I, I'm not hmm. sure that it's. I mean, obviously, a lot of people aren't traveling. And there's very little traveling compared with what they used to be. But it was markedly different back in March. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, but but I do think that in terms of so like saving the planet, there's no chance that the COVID's gonna gonna save. Yeah, I I even think it's gonna have a um, more negative effect long term as we see. Um, so as, are you saying uh, the planet won't be saved? I'm saving. I'm, yes, I'm saying the planet won't be saved because I think COVID's. We can see how COVID's having uh, an effect on a country's like uh, economy. And I think that once 
Uh, we see with countries like China, China suffered um, poorly economically because of COVID and they've reverted to become more dependent on coal. And I think that as countries try and save their economy, they'll, the morally, they'll, um, they'll be ruined, I think. I think I think that they will. This is uh, a very um, depressing outlook from. Yeah, the, I'm sorry. The youngest, <laughs> member, youngest member representing the youthful generation. I feel as though I need to go out and slip my throat. <laughs> sorry, but it, it's what I, it's what I feel. Um, uh, so so, no, but I'm I'm actually just would like to probe that a bit more. You are saying that because we, we've been told, haven't we, that we have about 10 years to reverse the climate emergency. That's my mm. understanding. So I, am I right in paraphrasing you as saying there's no chance that's going to happen and we might as well just all get in our boxes? Unless businesses start to prioritise the environment over, and governments start to prioritise the environment over uh, economic growth, which I don't think will happen, unfortunately. Uh, then, yeah, I, I agree. I agree that the planet won't be saved in 10 years. I didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> I just said that I don't think that COVID will help no, the situation. No, I know you didn't. I, I was focusing on Ben's very depressing... <laughs> no, I was just outlook. responding to Ben to say that I didn't... I, that's not what I was getting at. I think that... I think that it will... Like it always does... Um, our government and the people, you know, people are going to be forced into a situation where we've got to quite rapidly take very drastic measures. So I don't think that we're going to see this, you know, this 10 year um, long project of making everything better, making, you know, putting back into the environment. I think what's going to happen is we're probably going to continue getting worse for another five or six years and then we're going to be like oh crap we're all going to die unless we have to completely stop consumerism we have to do this we have to do that i, th I think that it's going to be a reaction to the inevitable destruction of the planet that, that will make us change our ways which is still really bad but un yeah. unfortunately i think that that is the way that the world operates at the moment we we operate well, retrospectively well, COVID has resulted in a lot of people finding out that they can work perfectly well from home. And um, this has a, a, a lot of uh, benefits, doesn't it, from a climate point of view? Obviously, the, traf the uh, traffic is cut, out, uh, is cut down considerably, um, and therefore the CO2 emissions are cut down uh, significantly. But that's, nothing that, that's nothing compared to big industry. Um, well, I think, isn't air travel the biggest, well, no, I think agriculture is the biggest um, contributor, isn't it, to, to emissions? I think, you know, the whole agriculture sector, um, and, tra and air travel is enormous contributor, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that, you know, must be very clear from this... Um, COVID experiment, if you like, not that it's an experiment, it's a mandated experiment, um, is that we can, we really can cut out a huge amount of international travel. But people are still traveling, that's the problem. They I mean, are, but in, in very Even much, in COVID. Very much. Yeah, but even with, even, even with the risk of them getting COVID and getting sick, people are still taking advantage of cheap holidays. I mean, through the summer period, I had loads of 
people that I knew that were going to Greece and going to Dubai and you know, it didn't seem to bother them that they could catch this life-threatening disease. It just meant they could go on a cheap holiday. Made no sense to me at all. Well, I agree with that. But there are, I think they are a very small um, minority. Yeah, of but people. that's just the people going on a holiday. I mean, the people that needed to travel for work still have that as a loophole. They're still allowed to travel because they they, are, their work. Business, but I can tell you from my business, which is in, um, international relocation, I can tell you that a large number of corporations have banned all international travel. They've put, put the brakes on it. So in business, right. travel is, business travel is well down, well down. And, and I think that the, the, what I was going on to say was that I think that businesses are waking up to the fact that you can actually achieve a lot in, like we're doing here in a, in a video call uh, although it's a podcast, we're seeing each other on screen, and we, you know, it, it, it feels to me quite a lot like being in the same room to you as you. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I find I can accomplish a lot business-wise. I can cover cover a lot of ground um, in a day, uh, literally going around meetings around the globe. You know, so other people are waking up to that too, um, and. As we and it, what it means is that, and of course, if people are working from home, it means that you haven't got these great big office buildings that are having to be lit and, you know, serviced in every way, which also involves a lot of emissions. So, I, I get a little bit of hope. I get a little bit of hope from that. Um, I think selfishly, employers are realizing that fin it's more financially viable for them rather than them having to make a decision that's in the interest of the environment. Well, that's so, the point, though, isn't mm. it? That's the point, is that, you, is, is that you, the best way to get anyone to do anything is to make them want to do it. But that is such a small part of it. I mean, the, the travelling to and from work, you know, in comparison to, for instance, um, it's it's kind of hard to explain it's something that's transferable between industries, but perhaps not purchasing so much plastic, not purchasing so many goods that need to be delivered. Um, you know that that stuff's really important. So, so yes, for instance, yes, employees people. aren't. Sorry, go ahead. Employees aren't driving to and from work every day, but they're still having deliveries being made that is costing money, that's being wrapped in plastic, that's not recyclable and wrapped in cardboard, you know, that, and they're not recycling it. You know, there's, there's well, such a lot that businesses can do that they're not even, they should be doing that as a given anyway. All of that is true. But, but these, are, these are steps in the right direction, I think. Um, and uh, there's, there's a lot that people can do. Your whole point is well made about, over consumer consumerism, uh, I think uh, you know there's a lot that we can cut. I mean, even th even small things like you know how often we how, how many sets of clothes we have to wear and you know how often they're washed and all those sort of things. We've we've become used to sort of changing our clothes all the time and washing them and washing. You know, and all of this is using resources and using uh, water and power and you know and microplastics that go microplastics into the water as well, that go into the ocean. all of that yeah. stuff and really we don't need to i mean actually since i've been living in the in the country i don't change my clothes much <laughs> so that's uh, fine i mean I've, can I've i just noticed. say um also like normal stuff like obviously 
because people are worried about COVID, they're getting more food delivered. And if you're trying to be conscious of um, not supporting industries that use nasty pesticides, you might decide that you want to have organic fruit and veg. And if that comes from a supermarket that does non-organic stuff, it means that all of that stuff is wrapped in plastic, so there's no cross-contamination. So even in the very simplest of um, uh, things in your life, if you're having like weekly, fortnightly food deliveries, and, and, and you and I are both vegan, Dad, so that means that all of our produce comes in boxes or comes in plastic anyway, you know, the, the yeah. packaging around vegan food is really bad, really, really bad. Like we're ticking one box and we're crossing the other. It's, it's so stupid. I, I, I'm embarrassed by the amount of packaging that, that we're always having to get rid of from just a, a normal meal. Yes. Actually, and, and since you raised the point about veganism, I mean, if I think one of the biggest things that we could, biggest changes that could be made is for the population to opt for a non-animal product diet, in other words, a vegan diet, um, because that particular piece is huge in terms of the emissions that are generated, absolutely huge. So, and can I just say on that subject, um, it's still, I mean, obviously I've been vegan for a long time now, like six years or something, but it still baffles me that even with that evidence about, you know, the impact it's having on the environment, uh, regardless of like, an, you know, animal activism and stuff like that. It still baffles me that people would rather eat it for the short term satisfaction of how it tastes, considering how bad it is for the environment. You feeling bad, Ben? <laughs> well, I was, I think this could be a whole uh, discussion in itself, but I, I actually, before joining the podcast, I, um, I, I read an article to suggest that, um, that switching entirely to um, to plant um, agriculture in this country would have um, a worse effect on um, greenhouse gas emissions, simply because uh, you need more, you need much more land uh, than animals um, to um, because oh, the, yield, on, that, the yield that, is less. That one and has then, been so debunked. That is. I, I, I didn't. Debunked. I didn't say I agree with it. I'm just. I just said I read it. Um, <laughs> And okay, yeah, okay. Well, I'll stop there. If you well, we can we can discuss we can discuss that because that is a whole topic in itself. But let mm. me just let me just say this: but by far more plants are fed to animals so that we can eat them <laughs> than are fed to humans. So I think that that truism in itself knocks that out of the park. I mean, that one has been so debunked. But we can we can certainly yeah. The only thing on the only that. thing on that though is that is if everyone did go plant-based now, we would have a hell of a lot of cows that would end up being slaughtered just because they can't be looked after anymore. Yes, but we know in reality that it's not going to be an overnight thing by any, by any means. But, I mean, it's so... Anyway, let's not get into veganism because that's not the subject of this. Um, that isn't the primary subject of this. Although one would have to say that these viruses that are so dangerous to humans are very much propagated by animals being kept in, you know, being mistreated effectively, aren't they? So, uh, you know, yeah. that would be a jolly good reason to move away from, you know, that immoral practice. But Sorry that I keep ju jumping in, but that, that uh, it was a point that was brought up on that BBC um, debate 
about our need to connect with the environment again and that means animals as well like that that lack yeah. of connection is why we have you know caused so much destruction to the planet because we have no respect for it we have no respect for the environment and we have no respect for other living creatures it's purely about our own progress all the time and uh, um, and our desire for growth we 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 have been so put in this mindset that you know everything we have to grow profits we have to grow the numbers of everything numbers of air passengers you know it's all about generating growth 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 and in the program i was quite impacted by the woman who reminded me actually of uh, your big sister trace's best friend natalie um, there was a woman on there who was described as a population ethicist. And her whole point was, forget all this, you know, tweaking this and eating, you know, less meat and, you know, all these things. The one thing that causes all this is too many people. So we've got to get real. About, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this because I don't know enough about the subject, but I'd have to study it more. But, you know, the whole... Th thing is you know we we've got to decide she was she was saying how many people our planet can sustain there has to be a limit you can't just keep growing the population without it having consequences what do you think ben you don't really sorry you no, go, ben. go ahead no, no go ahead because i'll just give myself some time to think about that okay that's, <laughs> that's um, fair when we um, have gone to a vegan food festival called VegFest, and there has been a very unpopular stand there every time, uh, which is about. That stand. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I the, I've gone with you to that. Yeah, yeah I've forgotten I what the um, I've forgotten what, what the stand was called. Uh, I've forgotten what it was called, but it was basically about reducing the population, about you know, um, about how the extinction of uh, sorry. I'm trying to find the words. It was about, you know, the fact that we've got to start thinking about how many children we have because actually the environment is most impacted by having more, more babies and, you know, then becoming children and humans. Because from a consumerism point of view, even a baby, the amount of like nappies you go through and tissues and baby food and then they become, you know, kids that go to school and need uniform. It's just buying crap all the time, creating more waste. And, you know, maybe back in the Victorian era when we used to have seven and eight children, that was okay because there was a smaller population of people. But now, you know, the population of the world has like quadrupled or whatever. There just isn't the space. There isn't the space and there isn't the resources for that many people. And anyway, this um, activism stand was about it. I can't remember what it was called, but well, ben no one was going what do you remember about it, Ben? Tell us what you oh, think. Oh, I, I, I probably remember just about the same thing. I just remember it being a, sta a very controversial stand um, advocating for, um, yeah, advocating for only having like one child or having, have, not having any children at all um, in order to save, save the planet. That's, that's all, all I remember, really. I just... What do, you just think, what, what do you think about this question? Um, Population. I, I agree that I think the planet can only sustain a certain amount of people. I mean, it's just a question of like area, but I, I don't really know what we as a, like as a world can do about that. And unless we do like mandate 
only having one child or having no children. I mean, I, I've thought I found, up... Oh, go ahead. I found it. It's called a Voluntary Human Extinction Movement. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah, and it's, it's an environment... <laughs> yeah, it is an environmental movement that calls for all people to abstain from reproduction to cause the gradual voluntary extinction of humankind. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't think that that was they the would, actual would, stand, but they would be fun but it at is party. a movement. <laughs> yeah. Don't drink anything they give you. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, I, I mean, I remember, I think I may have mentioned this on, on a previous episode at some point, but I, I remember feeling, you know, when I, was a, when I was a small boy, I just remember thinking, you know, going to things like to turn on taps, you know, and, and I would think, Crikey, every house is doing this all over the world. You know, doesn't this water ever run out? You know, and it, it was a thought. And, and, you know, I would think the same thing when I switched on electricity or, or when my, my father would fill up his car with, with petrol. You know, I think everyone's doing it. I mean, is there an endless supply of all these things? Um, but, you know, in the end, I realized that there actually was an endless supply of them. But now that it, there seems that perhaps there isn't, not in the sense that there isn't an endless supply, but, the, you know, the consequences for the planet are that, you know, we're now in an emergency. And we, and we can't, you know, you walk along and you see people's houses and they've got central heating going and they're puffing out. It's, it's like having an engine permanently running in your drive, you know, with the exhaust puffing into the air when it's cold that's that's the reality of it and and all these chimneys from industrial uh facilities that are pumping stuff into the air planes that buses boats etc etc you know there, there has to be a consequence it seems of you know and we're now we're now nudging up against that well that bore the house down <laughs> Nor no, I'm joking. I mean, I think that's this is exactly what the problem is with um, the Western world is that we don't know an end to the to the supply. Whereas if we were living in a third world country or we were, li we were living somewhere, well, it's where not just the West. It's not just the West, is it? It's China, India, Russia. Sorry, I'm thinking of about Western thinking, not actually Western as in the the West. I mean, as in like the the world in which consumerism is, and economic growth is is Pr privileged <laughs> yeah, yeah pri it pri in a privileged yeah. society we don't know and 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 i we were trying to talk about this on different podcasts where i said about this idea that we can eat pineapple all year round or we can eat figs or you know we don't eat seasonally because we don't have to no, and that's true. where our connection and we've lost this connection with the planet because those things don't grow in the UK all year round. We get them shipped in. In fact, they, they get picked ripe, frozen for the journey, and then we, we receive them when they're thawed. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy. Like, it's absolutely crazy that that's how we live, in, in my opinion. And, you, you know, it is just privileged thinking. And I think we have to unlearn these things, and we have to go back to um, living a more sustainable life. That's 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 my thinking. As as good as I think it is that uh, businesses have learned that it's probably cheaper to um, get people to work at home until that until the attitudes change where we prioritise the environment um, over um, business. I, I think that's until that point is uh, we're not going to receive any 
um, we're not going to save the planet. But going back to your original doomsday scenario, then, <laughs> yes. Um, realistically speaking, uh, I, I think you may well be right that, that people, people aren't going to change sufficiently fast. I mean, if we really only have 10 years, I mean, 10 years is a short period of time, really. It goes very quickly. Um, and if we really only have 10 years to, re- to, to bring this under control, I can't see it happening. Because even if we, you know, in the UK and like-minded countries, maybe France and the, well, the European bloc and so on, we, you know, with, with um, states in the United States that are progressive like California, not many of them, to be honest, I can't see that it's going to make a big difference because at the same time, you've got places like China and India and, and, and places like that, Russia and so on, that, that are just going to continue massively burning fossil fuels. They won't continue if we, we don't continue consuming their products. I don't think that this is the route that the podcast could go down because it's so depressing. I think we should be inspiring <laughs> people to make change in their lives. Well, you know, we don't you. want I'm everyone to go that. away just, feeling I've upset. I've just put solar but, panels on my roof and a Tesla battery in the garage. I've got yeah, but you're, you 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 the come vegan. from a place of pri- that is a that is a privileged thing to be able to do. That comes Here from privilege. There are, thing, there are things there are things that you can do that don't involve putting solar panels on your roof. You know, you can try and not have the heating on as much. You can try just putting on more jumpers or whatever. You can recycle. You can start buying, you know, your food from a local food farmer and taking tote bags rather than taking plastic bags or expecting them to give you new new paper bags. You know, stop using aerosol deodorant, you know, and go for something that's in cardboard and can be recycled. there's so much we stop consuming things stop well stop I, I tell you what i think's missing coveting. sorry to interrupt you but i tell you what i think is missing in this whole um climate change movement is that it's on the one hand it's 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 fine to say well not fine if it's the truth it's the truth that we've got 10 years to to, to correct this and that would appear to be supported by the science why then are we not the next paragraph should be these are the things, these are the main things that we have to do in order that we don't um, fail in our mission to uh, turn this thing around within the next 10 years. And I don't see any clear plan. Does anyone else? Well, there's no, no. education. That's a problem. You know, most people are ignorant about what's going on because there's, yeah, no, there's no informed education that's being given to, pe- to people in, in a way that they can digest. They're, they'd much rather put up a KFC banner saying, come and buy our chicken burger, than put up something that says, we need to, ch- we need to like, look after the environment now. And that involves you doing something now. You know, there needs to be... In fairness, since inform- you've singled out KFC, I mean, in fairness they are responding to customer demand for vegan products as the other major fast food things are. So that is, a, that is a change which is being, which is coming from the bottom up, which, you know, consumer demand, as you say, is needed. But I'm saying that if for, it's one thing to say we have 10 years, but please tell us what we've got, tell us the world, what it has to do. There has to be a clear plan. Then you can start the education once you've got a plan. But at the moment, I don't see any plan. 
you know, you can say these things, cut down on this, cut down on that. Is that going to be enough? That woman, that population ethicist said it wasn't. I mean, it, she said we, we would have to cut back to a, to a almost like a medieval lifestyle. Everybody would in, in order to bring about the kind of changes that are needed. If that's the case, we, we need to face up to that situation and, and I think have a plan on how we're going to turn this thing around, don't you think? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there is a plan, but the problem is, is that there... Well, I'd like to there, see it. There is, uh, that's what I'm saying. We are ignorant of the plan because the education is not there. Well, so, you know, someone's hiding the plan. I don't, I haven't, I've never seen it. I've never read it. I mean, I do a lot of research like you do on this. I've never read a plan. No, I... No, because it's not there for you. It's there for, for governments and stuff like that. They're, to, they're already talking. You know, they, you know that when the, the Corbyn and the Boris uh, thing, you know, the campaign happened. Yeah, and we, who was the winner? Just about, remind me. They were talking about, uh, they were talking about climate change and they yeah. were talking about, you know, our, our commitment to climate change. And the Tory party was saying something like 2030 would be our, um, when we would be carbon neutral, carbon neutral by 2030. And, um, and so there, I believe there is a plan, they have a plan in place, but, but what's lacking is they're not feeding that information to the people. And we have a part to play in this as well. Obviously okay. it, what we do is minuscule compared to what, um, commercial the commercial industry can do you know it's it's going to be fruitless if coca-cola don't do something if those large meat companies in america don't do something if china doesn't do something you know but but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing something ourselves and it doesn't and i don't i don't think that the education is there like if i if i look up what can i do it, it's a, it's a list of a list of things probably from Extinction Rebellion. They're probably the people saying go out and buy local fruit and veg. It's probably not the government. Well, they're normally saying bring down capitalism, which is a bit sort of off message, really. Uh, last word from Well, you. it would help. <laughs> well, I don't think well, so. I, I was just going just gonna to add to that. My final thought on that was I, ju I, I don't think there is a plan, and I, I think that's because science is, is not a binary thing. Science is very, very grey. Um, and I think there are a lot of different sci uh, scientific schools of thought that suggest this is how we should do it and this is how we should do it. It all just depends on what evidence people gather. And I think, uh, yeah, and I think that's why that there's no like clear, this is what has to be done. This is the definite right thing to do because we don't know what the right thing to do is. Yes. Well, I, I'm in agreement with you that I don't think there's a plan. Um, I think there is a, I think there is a clear uh, conclu scientific conclusion that we have sort of around a decade uh, before we get past a tipping point. Um, the, I think the end, of, the end of that 10 years is not a cliff edge. I think it's a slope downwards um, into you know, a very dark place. Um, but I don't think there is anything that remotely resembles a plan. And part of that is because there's, there isn't one global government, and this needs a unified approach, and there isn't unified thinking. And, we, and you know, it's no good having things like the Paris Accord, which is a pretty lame um, document or 
treaty or whatever it, whatever it is really if you treaty. get down whatever you want to call it accord the paris accord i think it's a very lame thing okay I'm, it's it's better than nothing but we need something a lot something that's a lot better than nothing in the predicament that we find ourselves so that's my view and i think we have to take this we you know somehow we have to really get control of this and we have to face up to what measures actually are needed to correct that this thing anyway um that is the end of this episode we've run a little bit over time so thank you um everybody for out there for listening to us for following us um, and for your participation which we very much welcome please continue to participate send us messages on uh, our Facebook page, share our podcast with your friends and family, spread the word, word and uh, please write us an Apple review. Um, if you wouldn't mind, we would very much appreciate that. And uh, we will see you next time. So it's goodbye from the three of us. Bye from me. Bye from me. Bye from me. Thank you, Ben and Tony. Bye for now. Bye.